0: Hello there, welcome to another episode of Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. We're still reading The Country Cottage, we've made our way to part four, subtitle, Practice, 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 and it is a hot chapter marked with a red H. In fact, apart from the first chapter, all of the chapters in this series have a little red H mark, which signifies they're very hot chapters. And while I think technically that is hot in terms of popularity, I think we can also pretend, even if it's just for fun, that that hot is also referring to the high capability of these stories to arouse. At the very least, they've probably aroused the readers on literotica.com, which is the site where I discovered this story, written by the author A.A. Dirty Old Man in PHX 1. I found him through Literotica's random author page. When you click onto their index of authors, at the bottom there's a list of about 10 or so random authors, and you can refresh the page and get a new selection of random authors each time you do that. So that's where I found A A Dirty Old Man in PHX1 and his stories. Just looking through his back catalogue a little bit, I can see that basically all of his stories are, to some degree, (laughs) incest-related. There's one here which is sci-fi fantasy for two chapters, and then the third chapter, it's incest taboo. So out of the 59 submissions to Literotica by A.A. Dirty Old Man in PHX1, 42 of them are of the genre incest slash taboo so that's clearly a big fantasy for the author something that hopefully they're just playing out through their writing although i guess we'll never know for certain whether some of these stories are based on real life experiences or not just briefly looking at his bio there's a nice little quote here from him i've aspired to be a dirty old man my whole life and now enjoying every moment <laughs> So I guess, in a way, we can take these stories as kind of a culmination of a lifelong journey. As usual, I haven't read this chapter ahead of time, don't know what's going to happen, so you'll be getting my first reaction as I read the story out loud for the first time for you. Briefly, to go over the stats of this particular chapter, it's got a 4.67 star rating, it's had twenty four point one thousand views, and of those twenty four point one thousand sixteen have liked it, and one has left a comment. I wonder if that'll be the same commenter as we had last time, but we'll get to that after the story. It's an ever so slightly shorter entry this time at 3.9 thousand words, so a slightly shorter episode, perhaps. But I've no doubt that this chapter, like others in the past, is going to give us plenty to consider. To briefly recap on what happened last time, Lisa and Dan went into the playroom for the first time, and they each had their own experience. Lisa was accosted by Alice, who she had a bit of a lesbian experience with, there was some lingus, which I'm always a big fan of in a story, and as expected, it resulted in an enormous orgasm. Meanwhile, Dan and the woman he sat next to at dinner, Nicole, broke away and had a threesome with her son, Michael. Dan too enjoyed some oral sex, And, at the same time, Mike indulged in some vaginal sex with his mother, before kneeling down to suck the cum out of that vagina once he had ejaculated into her. A moment which I knew was coming, because it had been talked about in previous episodes, and it was no less horrific than I'd expected it to be. After that, both of the main hosts, Bob, aka Daddy Bob, and Carol, each descended on Lisa and Dan respectively and had sex with them. As a kind of initiation, the lovemaking escalated into a crescendo of synchronised orgasms, after which Lisa and Dan, quite rightly I think, needed to replenish their fluids, and so they went over to the cooler and helped themselves to a couple of beers. No sooner had they taken their first swig than behind them, Father John stood a hand on each of their buttocks. And that's where we left off, and I think we're going to jump straight back in from that point. So without further ado, I hope you'll enjoy this fourth episode of The Country Cottage. The Country Cottage The Country Cottage Yeah The Enlightenment Dan With the soft touch on my right ass-cheek, I broke off the kiss with Lisa, and looked down in surprise at Father John. He was a short man, probably no taller than five foot four or five, with a fringe of white hair surrounding the pink top of his balding head. There was an impish grin on his face, a hint of laughter sparkled in his mesmerising grey eyes, and a surprisingly long and thick dick sticking straight out from his body, a cock well out of proportion to the rest of his body. I do hope I'm not interrupting, he said softly, keeping his hands on both of us as he spoke, but I needed a cold beer and did want a chance to chat with you both. Lisa smiled weakly as I bent to fish a cold beer from the cooler. When I glanced up at her, I could see her eyes darting back and forth from Father John's face to his impressive dick. I handed him the beer and put my arm around my wife's waist, letting my hand drop enough to caress her bare ass. Lisa leaned into me before she spoke. "'So, Father, what is it you want to discuss with us?' she asked. He took a long sip of beer, his eyes clearly appraising us before he said another word. "'Oh, nothing much, really. Just a bit of a getting-to-know-you sort of chat before the confessions and inductions tomorrow,' he said. "'You mean all this tonight is not the induction?' I asked incredulously, looking around at the various entangled moaning bodies on the scattered mattresses. "'Oh, no, hardly!' he laughed heartily. "'Tonight is the wedding rehearsal. "'Practice, if you will, before the actual to tomorrow.' "'Practice? "'Really? "'This seems a bit more, um, involved than that,' Lisa exclaimed, "'gesturing around the room with the hand that was not resting on my ass. "'Trust me, this is just a hint of how loving the family is with one another,' he chuckled, "'taking another swig of his beer.' I'm guessing you have only gotten the barest of hints about what we are all about so far. Lisa and I just looked at each other. We were both blushing slightly, not sure how to put into words some of the things we'd already seen that aroused us both. Lisa moaned softly while Father John gently squeezed her other ass-cheek before continuing. My dick stiffened a little, seeing how casually and intimately he touched my wife as I stood next to them. I suppose some of what you've learned in the last few hours came as something of a shock, It usually does when newcomers are first introduced to the family. Perhaps a brief history will help, he said, as he finished the beer, tossed the empty bottle into the trash, and asked me to get another. When I turned back to them, he was twirling one of my wife's nipples between two fingers. Lisa smiled brightly as he took her hand and, without asking permission from either of us, wrapped her fingers around the head of his stiff cock. My own dick was hard as well when Lisa took it in her other hand. Hmm, do you think that will fit inside you comfortably? I whispered in Lisa's ear, as I handed Father John the beer, then flicked my tug around her earlobe. "'Quite nicely, I'm sure,' she moaned lowly, "'especially with you by my side.' She leaned her head on my shoulder and closed her eyes, her fingers rhythmically opening and closing on my throbbing dick. I was sure she was fondling Father John in exactly the same way as he started to speak again. As you know, the Cottage Inn was established in 1832— Originally it was a farmhouse, sufficiently distant from any curious neighbours, that Miles Davies and his sister Anne could live without unwanted intrusion. Occasionally they would provide shelter and a meal for travellers, and, after word spread, by word of mouth, they took in more and more regularly. Shortly after their first child was born, a girl named Martha, a man and a woman stopped for the night. No one knows for sure exactly what happened next, but the couple ended up staying, and that became the foundation of the family. Between them, Anne and Evelyn, the other woman's name, had something like fifteen children, a half dozen of which grew to adulthood. They didn't keep really precise records in those days, but apparently both women fathered children by both men. When they came of age, their daughters also bore children by their fathers and then their brothers. Thus the family originated and developed into what it is today. Bob and Carol are the tenth generation of proprietors of this place, and leading members of the family, as is traditional, a woman's first child is fathered by her husband-slash-brother, and the second by her own father. In this case, Bob fathered Ted, and Carol was impregnated with Alice by their father, George. Bob and Ted both gave Alice girls, who currently reside at the private family school my sister Rose and I run. When they are of age, they will be inducted formally into the family and learn the family business here. With that, Father John stopped for a moment and sipped his beer with an impish gleam in his eyes. It occurred to me that practice and homework could take on an entirely different meaning in such a school. Lisa dreamily opened her eyes, her shallow breathing telling me she was extremely aroused by some combination of the story, the throbbing dicks in her hands and Father John's fingers caressing her breast. She idly smeared a drop of my pre-cum over the head of my cock with her thumb. I knew without even touching her that her pussy was sopping wet. Of course, all of this can get pretty confusing at times, and Bob does yeoman's work, keeping it all straight. A family tree would probably look pretty much like somebody threw a box of uncooked spaghetti on the floor. Today, the family number's in the thousands that we know about, he continued, and it is all we can do to accommodate members here. About twenty-five years ago, the sheer demand dictated that only family members, either in good standing or recently identified, could be accommodated. But we are not in the family, I protested, and didn't even know such a place existed until we got here. Lisa found it on the web, and we thought it sounded charming, I said. Father John just chuckled and finished his beer, tossing the empty into the trash bin before putting his hand on Lisa's ass again. He drew her closer and leaned forward to lick one of her erect nipples before looking directly at me. Well, Bob is extremely thorough, so I assume there must be a connection somewhere. You would be surprised just how many unidentified members of the family we find now and again. With that, I will take your lovely wife over to that mattress and introduce her to my very sweet and ever-horny granddaughter, said Father John. Lisa kept her hand on his thick dick as they led her to the platform about fifteen feet away. Nora, his granddaughter, and bride-to-be the next day, lay between Ted and Will. Both their cocks were limp and creamy cum seeped from her gaping cunt and encrusted in her pussy hair. Nora got up as her grandfather approached, moved to the next empty mattress, and sat down smiling at him and Lisa. He lay down and pulled Lisa to his other side. Nora grinned at Lisa and added her hand to Father John's cock. Ever so slowly they started stroking him up and down, a wide grin on his face as he took turns giving both of them deep, tongue-lashing kisses. My cock throbbed even more realising my wife would soon taste that old man's cum as he filled her mouth, or feel his warm semen gushing inside her pussy. I started to follow, knowing Lisa wanted me close, but was intercepted, after only a few steps, by Alice and Casey. Without a word, Alice grabbed my dick, and Casey my balls. Then they pulled me with them to an empty mattress next to Lisa. I buried my face in between Alice's large soft tits, as Casey took my cock into her mouth. When I heard Lisa moan loudly, I looked over and she gazed directly into my eyes for a moment and then turned to passionately kiss Nora. Father John's cock was buried deep in my wife's cunt and her pussy juices splashed onto both of their thighs. I kept my eyes locked on Lisa, even as young Casey pushed me down on my back and lowered herself down over my throbbing dick, only losing sight of her when Alice straddled my face and lowered her dripping slit onto my eager tongue. Lisa Father John's unexpected touch on my ass surprised me, while adding to my flood of emotions and excitement. The very idea that a priest stood naked next to me and my husband, and touched me quite intimately, had my head spinning. He was so gentle and courteous, and yet confident as he spoke. I do hope I'm not interrupting anything, but I felt I should introduce myself, he said. "Dad was taken aback by the old man's appearance, but did manage to respond. No, of course not, Father, What is it you wanted to discuss with us?" he said. He was a short little man, with an impish grin. I couldn't help looking at his penis as he stood opposite me. It was huge. Obviously he had been more than chatting with the other members of the family, as a creamy residue was still dribbling out of the top of his half-hard cock. He caught my eye looking downwards at him. "'Do you like it, Lisa?' he asked with a merry chuckle. Normally I would have been appalled at such a comment from an old man I hardly knew, In this venue, however, I felt much more liberated to tell how I truly felt. I could see that Dan was in his own little fantasy world, so I whispered so that my husband couldn't hear. Yes, father, I like it. A lot. It's so much bigger than my husband's. I wanted to explain a few more things about your induction tomorrow. Tonight is simply a get-together to find out a few little secrets, he chuckled. So this is not the full induction, father? Dan muttered. I could see Dan was as surprised as I was. No, Dan, we will have a bigger family participating. It may be a bit of a shock to you both, but I know you will enjoy it, he said. Father John laughed, took my hand in his, and placed it on his stiffening cock. Dan leaned over to whisper in my ear, as I took his dick into my other hand. Hmm, do you think that will fit inside you comfortably? my husband asked me, looking down at the older man's cock in my hand. Quite nicely, I'm sure, especially with you by my side, I moaned, feeling my pussy twitch, and a few drops of my juices dribbling down my inner thigh. I was sure Father John would fit inside me quite nicely indeed. For the next half hour or so, he explained some things to us. He told us that the cottage family had been established in 1832, and explained about the main events and transitions that happened over all those years. At the time he was talking, he had his arm around me and was openly touching me, very intimately. He squeezed my breasts as he nuzzled my neck. It was all very sensuous, and so very blatant, especially as it was right in front of my husband. "'Your wife has nice tits, Dan, and a lovely ass too,' he finally said, as he finished a second beer. Dan mumbled something. We had fantasised in the past about situations like this, where Dan had acted out the part of a cuckold. This was so strange, and so arousing, it was like a fantasy come true. I wondered how it would end.' After another few moments, John simply put both arms around me and kissed me full on the mouth. As I felt his tongue probing, I opened my mouth and responded in kind. His body pushed into my breasts, and I felt his huge penis push full length into my tummy. It was glorious. I wondered if he intended to have me right then and there, and standing up in front of my husband. To be honest, I was quite willing, eager even. From Dan's demeanour and stiffness, I was sure he had no objection either. Then I felt the old man pull away. I must take your wife over to the mattress and introduce her to my Nora, my sweet granddaughter, he told Dan. I had met Nora earlier. She was quite a pretty young girl, who was due to be married the next day. As Father John led me across the room, I was conscious of his hand dropping behind my back and squeezing my ass-cheek. I must have some of this sweet ass for myself, he said, and I giggled my agreement. As we walked across the room, I could see Nora smiling at us as she rose up from between Will and Ted and moved over to an empty mattress. Nora was a short, slight girl, with shoulder-length black hair and small, perky tits. Father John smiled as he saw me looking. "'I know she's my granddaughter, Lisa, but she has lovely tits, doesn't she?' he said. With that, he pulled me down next to him, with Nora on the other side. He smiled at me and placed her hand on her grandfather's engorged dick next to mine. Together, Slowly stroked him, Father John took turns kissing me and his granddaughter quite passionately. His tongue lashing ours in our mouths. I could feel his dick grow even harder in my hand. Nora looked up at me with a wicked grin when a drop of her grandfather's pre cum seeped out over our fingers. She removed her hand and pulled me close to her, giving me a deep tongue lashing kiss, and then slipped her hands down between my legs. Her fingers slid easily between the dripping wet folds of my pussy lips. He's ready for you, Nora cooed into my ear as her fingers slid up through my pussy lips and found the hard nub of my throbbing clit. And it seems you are more than ready for him. I was. My entire body quivered in anticipation as Nora held his cock up straight for me. I looked at the long, thick shaft and mushroom head with both eagerness and alarm. Father John was much bigger than my husband the only man before this evening with whom I'd had intercourse in the past thirteen years, and much larger than the two boys I'd fucked as a teenager long before meeting Dan. After a moment's hesitation, I straddled his hips. Nora brushed that huge cockhead back and forth between my pussy lips, coating it with my own juices, even as she aroused me even more. Father John looked up at me, smiling brightly. He took each of my swaying tits into his hands, softly caressing them as the tip of his huge cock pushed against the slick but tight opening of my vagina. For a moment I was afraid he was just too big. "'Just relax and take your time,' Nora whispered in my ear, before lightly biting my earlobe. It always feels really tight the first time Grandpa fucks you, and often the second and third times, too. I let myself slowly slide down over the monstrous shaft, stopping after he was a couple of inches inside me. I squirmed around a little, and my pussy stretched even more. After a few moments, Father John was as deep as he could go inside me. I'd never felt so filled in my life. I glanced up and saw Dan, starting to walk towards me. His face was flushed with excitement, and his dick stood straight out from his body. He nodded his approval, and smiled, just before Alice and Casey dragged him over to an empty mattress next to me. Right then my orgasm began to build. I smiled back at my husband and saw Casey lowering herself down on his throbbing cock, and Alice straddling his face. I turned and kissed Nora passionately as she strummed my clit with one finger. A massive orgasm flooded my body. Every cell on fire I began to flail wildly on Father John's cock, taking him deeper inside me than any man had ever been before. He pinched my nipples hard and matched my thrusts with a loud moan. I could feel his cock spasm inside me, just before spurt after spurt of his warm semen flooded my already stuffed cunt. I lost all track of time, as seemingly unending waves of pleasure swept through my body. Finally my climax subsided, as Father John's dick softened and slipped out of me on a stream of his cum and my juices. I collapsed on his chest. Next to me, my husband smiled brightly, his own dick glistening as he slipped out of young Casey's cunt. When we untangled ourselves, Dan took my hand and pulled me close for a passionate kiss. Awesome, he whispered in my ear. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed watching you. I was so relieved to get his approval, I kissed him again, deeply, and twirled his flaccid penis in my fingers. We got ourselves another cold beer, and stood watching some of the others that were still fucking and sucking in various combinations. I feel the same way, and was very aroused seeing you as well, I said with a grin, tucking my shoulder up under his arm. But there's one thing that would have made it even better. And what is that? Dan asked. Next time I fuck Father John, I want him to wear his priestly collar, I said. Dan. I was so pleased to see the expression of utter pleasure on Lisa's face, as Father John's cock plunged deep inside her. Then Alison Casey immediately had my full attention. My cock slid easily into the teenager's already slick cunt. Droplets of someone's semen and her own juices dribbled onto my lips and face as Alice straddled my head. Casey was young, but she clearly had plenty of experience. She rotated her hips and clenched my dick tightly inside her. She placed my hands on her perky tits and began riding me furiously. It didn't take long at all for my orgasm to build in my balls with my tongue firmly lodged in alice's pussy as she fingered her clit and flooded my face with her own climax i moaned loudly and began shooting string after string of cum into casey's tight welcoming cunt alice and casey were kissing passionately above me as my dick softened and slipped out of the teenager's dripping cunt they fell off to one side fingering each other as i looked over to lisa furiously flailing her orgasm on father john's cock i smiled my approval as she collapsed on the old man's chest, breathing heavily. After we all caught our breaths, I took Lisa's hand in mine and kissed her passionately, telling her how aroused and pleased I was watching her. She grinned her pleasure as we went to get ourselves another cold beer, telling me how happy she was to see me as well. Then she surprised me with her next comment. "'Next time I fuck Father John, I want him to wear his priestly collar,' she said. My breath caught in my throat as the implication of what she was saying sunk in. Next time. Lisa was telling me there would be a next time, and even more of our fantasies were soon to be fulfilled. I pulled her close, feeling the last remnants of the old priests come, seeping out of my wife's cunt, and down over my thigh. We stood and watched the others for a short while, but knew we were both done for the evening. We walked hand in hand, back to our room, and hardly spoke as we flopped down on the bed, falling into a deep sleep. The next morning we were surprisingly fresh, and after a nice shower, we both wondered what the day held in store. We had breakfast, and we were planning a nice brisk walk up the green mountainside. It was a beautiful country. Carol admonished us to return by noon. The wedding was scheduled for 3pm, and we would need a bit of time to get ready. Rather than tiring us out, the walk was rejuvenating. By the time we returned to the house, we both had more of a spring in our step than when we'd left. We did notice a number of additional cars in the parking lot. Invited guests for the wedding, I assumed. When we entered, Carol directed us to the dining-room for some lunch. It's a pity that Father John was called away, Carol said as we sat down, but these things happen all the time in his business. I hope it's nothing serious, I said, and what about the wedding, and confessions, and inductions? Fortunately he was able to contact another family member who can officiate at the wedding, and conduct the induction. The confessions will just have to wait for another time, said Carol. Another priest? Lisa asked. "'Actually, a Lutheran bishop and his wife. Bit of luck, really. They were able to drive up from the city, but will have to return later this evening for services tomorrow morning at his church.' I could feel Lisa tense a little next to me before she gave me a quick glance. Her voice trembled slightly when she next spoke. "'May I ask who they are? After all, this induction is a pretty intimate affair,' she said softly. "'Oh, of course, my dear, but there's no need for concern.' Bishop Grosvenor is a lifelong member of the family, and quite caring, and, if I may say so myself, rather the loving man. "'And his wife?' Lisa gasped hoarsely. "'Judith is an elegant and loving woman as well,' Carol continued, as she sipped her tea. Richard married her from outside the family, but made sure she was properly inducted before their engagement was announced. "'I believe that was thirty or so years ago now. A pity they could never have children of their own.' Lisa looked at me with panic in her eyes but somehow she managed to keep her voice calm. At that moment, I doubted I could do the same. "'If you don't mind, Carol, we need to go and rest and freshen up a little bit,' Lisa exclaimed, and rose from the table, pulling me up at the same time. She kept her arm locked in mine as we quickly walked to our room, shushing me from saying anything until we were inside it, and the door firmly closed. "'What are we going to do?' she whispered frantically. "'We can't be found here by Uncle Richard and Aunt Judith!' To be continued. The country cottage. The country cottage. Yeah. Omg! What a little twist at the end there! That was fantastic. turns out that they, in fact, are already part of the family. I guess Uncle Richard is the familial connection there, and I'm assuming that that must be Lisa's uncle, which sort of implies that her father or mother, perhaps, who would be a sibling of Uncle Richard, must also be in the family too. So I guess that confirms it that Lisa is a blood relative of this family. I wonder if it'll turn out that Dan is also related in some way to somebody within the family. I wonder if we will meet them at the wedding. Sounds like there's going to be lots of guests there, and probably another big orgy, an even bigger orgy than the one we've already had. So I wonder if Dan will recognise anyone. I felt like the big new taboo in this chapter of the Country Cottage was mostly a religious taboo. Obviously, traditionally within the Catholic Church, priests are celibate and don't have sex with anyone, much less with family members in a group sex orgy setting. I think in some ways it was a taboo that is a little bit lost on me. I'm not religious. And so, to me, Father John is sort of just a man and it's only really his beliefs that make it a taboo Uh, and, and I suppose the beliefs of Lisa and Dan and the others in the room And in a way, Father John has his own beliefs, which, in my opinion, as someone who doesn't really believe in God or religion, his set of beliefs are just as made up as any other set of beliefs. And so, possibly the boundaries being crossed that maybe some readers of this story would find quite upsetting and controversial are not really getting through to me in the same way. I think, for me, the the weirder thing is just the age of Father John. Not that there's anything wrong with remaining sexually active into old age, I think that's a very healthy thing to do, and if you're still able to enjoy sex, and you've got somebody who enjoys doing it with you, then more power to you. But it is his age in relation to the age of the others in the story. I think even with Lisa and Dan being in their 30s, I mean, isn't Father John in his late 60s? Possibly he's even pushing 70. I can't remember exactly how old they said he was. But he's clearly an elderly man. And even though it's an age gap which I think is less shocking than, say, the age gap between Dan and Casey. So Casey's 18. I think that's a more shocking age gap for sure. But I do think it is still a pretty shocking age gap. Although he is given a very generous description, I think, by the author, and maybe there's something in the fact that our author, A.A. A. Dirty Old Man in PHX1, is probably an older gentleman himself, and perhaps more inclined to give a favourable description to a character who, in some ways, probably resembles himself. Because although Father John is a little bit short, and he is balding, just on the top of his head, He does have a cheeky impish grin and a hint of laughter sparkling in his mesmerising grey eyes. Which I think is a very romantic detail that contrasts in a little bit of an incongruous way with the surprisingly long and thick dick that sticks straight out of his body. (laughs) And this time, unlike Michael's penis, this is a penis which is well out of proportion to the rest of his body, we're told. So clearly in the mind of a a dirty old man in PHX-1, there does exist a kind of sliding scale of body-to-penis ratio, i.e. the bigger you are, the bigger your penis ought to be, which I think is, in a way, kind of an odd assumption to make. And I've got my doubts about how reliable that assumption is. We got a really interesting history lesson, though, didn't we, about the Cottage Inn, learning about its origins in 1832, and also we learned a little bit about the dynamics and the rules of reproduction within the family. I wonder if those rules are there to make sure there's enough genetic diversity within the gene pool so that they don't get some of the deformities and the increased risk of genetic diseases and health problems associated with incestuous reproduction. I suppose it helps that there are apparently thousands within the family who are all consenting to this quite odd ritual of regular familial orgies. It must have been weird to be in the first generation of this practice. (laughs) I wonder how they decided those rules, and I wonder how it went down when the news was broken to the children that this is how things are going to (laughs) be. Now listen, children, you're going to marry your brother, and once you've popped out a little nipper by him, it'll be your dad's turn. I suppose, in a way, the fact that there are two different fathers to the children birthed by each mother means that the brothers and sisters are not strictly blood brothers and sisters. I don't know if there's a... They're not um, they're not siblings of the same union, if you see what I mean. They're almost a kind of step-sibling in some way. And I guess, not that that makes it any less morally abhorrent, Um, but I guess it certainly does help with some of the genetic risk factor elements. Although, I've got to be honest, I'm not a scientist or a geneticist or even somebody who has children of their own or has done any kind of reading or research about having children since I was a boy at school. So I'll admit I am making a fair amount of assumptions here. There were a couple of big cringe moments, I thought, in this chapter. Luckily, we didn't go into too much detail about Nora and Father John, grandfather and granddaughter, having sex. But I think that's a particularly disgusting image, to imagine a grandparent having sex with a grandchild. The other bit that made me cringe a little bit, um, well, actually I cringed a fair bit at this, was when Alice squatted down over Dan's face and leaked a bunch of other people's semen and juices down into his mouth. That just made me feel a bit gross. I don't know what the etiquette is for an orgy, having never participated in one, but I'd like to think that people give themselves a wipe down when moving from partner to partner, especially if there's a bit of a break in between. Fair enough, you're not going to wipe yourself down if you're doing a quick swap on the hop in, say, a threesome scenario where all three of you are kind of engaged in the same activity and so everyone's aware of who's put what where. I think the bit that grosses me out is that it's old seamen that's been up there I guess it's been up there since at least the whole time that they were talking with Father John and drinking a couple of beers. So that's, what, 20 minutes, maybe? 15 minutes minimum? So I think it's the fact that it's old semen dripping out of her vagina that is the icing on the disgusting cake, if you will. I always enjoy some of the dialogue in these stories when it's just something that's a little bit too on the nose, for it to feel like anybody in the real world would actually say something like this. Especially, I think, when you are imagining it coming from the mouth of an elderly person, like in that moment when Father John says to Dan, your wife has nice tits, Dan, and a lovely ass too. (laughs) It just seems a little bit clumsy and perhaps a little bit stilted, not the most natural of dialogues. The other bit that I found cringy and also quite funny uh, in the same way was when Father John is introducing Lisa to his granddaughter and says, I know she's my granddaughter, Lisa, but she has lovely tits, doesn't she? (laughs) You know, it's just very overbearingly creepy and a weird thing. I think it's a weird thing to hear anybody comment about anyone else's physical appearance in that way. I think. Especially when it's to do with somebody's erogenous zones or parts of their body which are usually considered as private parts. you don't often hear people talk that way, especially not openly, in a way that's so casual. <laughs> and that's a fair. The other bit of dialogue that I really liked was from Dan this time, and that was when he, says awesome i hope you enjoyed that as much as i enjoyed watching you which again is just a bit too on the nose it's a bit unnatural and it feels like something that nobody would ever say using those words in that order i also particularly liked the visual imagery of the family tree which would look pretty much like someone threw a box of uncooked spaghetti on the floor i wonder what inspired a a dirty old man in phx one to use that particular simile i wonder if he was having spaghetti for dinner that night he'd accidentally spilled some spaghetti on the floor and inspiration struck him like a bolt of lightning and he thought eureka i have to use that in the story Once again, I want to congratulate Dan on having incredible stamina and ability to overcome the refractory period through sheer will of arousal, as in this chapter, I think he has his fourth orgasm? And I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed with that frankly heroic performance, and the fact that he doesn't even mention the fact that it's even a struggle to ejaculate for the fourth time in one evening. It doesn't even enter into his internal monologue, and even despite the inevitable reduction in sensitivity that surely must be occurring in the glands of Dan's penis. It doesn't take long at all for an orgasm to build in his balls. (laughs) Which I think is a wonderful phrase, and I hadn't realised before that orgasms build in the balls. And I suppose, in a way, that's right. I mean, certainly that's where the semen is, and I suppose the balls do build what I can only assume is a small reservoir of semen. But it's funny to describe the orgasm as being built in the balls, because I very much see the orgasm as something which happens in the mind, or perhaps you could argue it happens in the tip of the penis. But I've never thought of the orgasm building in the balls. Maybe I've been doing it all wrong. Maybe that's why Dan is able to seriously outperform me in the bedroom. Even on his fourth eruption, he's shooting string after string of cum into Casey's tight, welcoming cunt. Maybe I've been going about this all wrong, and I need to refocus my attention to the testicular area next time I'm getting busy in the bedroom. I thought the evening came to a little bit of an abrupt end for Dan and Lisa, though. They sort of just decided to slink away, and I guess that is at least some sign that Dan is... A human being rather than an unstoppable sex machine. But I wasn't expecting them to leave the party early, I thought they would be staying until the absolute death of the party. But perhaps they were mindful of the fact that this is only day one of a long weekend. They are anticipating that an even bigger orgy is going to happen tomorrow, so maybe they wanted to save themselves a little bit and get an early night's rest. I was a little bit disappointed that we skipped over breakfast and that there was no awkward conversations in the morning over eggs and bacon. I think that could have been an interesting element. But it seems like they got away with a quick private breakfast for slipping out for a walk, <laughs> which I think in some ways was quite wise. Get out of the house. Let the dust settle for a little while. I guess the real moment of discomfort and awkwardness, for Lisa at least, is going to come in the next chapter when she's going to have to, I suppose, at least say hello to her Uncle Richard and Aunt Judith. But from what we've seen so far, things could get a great deal more intimate than that. I think in some ways the most disturbing part of this chapter was just a little one line which happened, I think, in Lisa's imagination, about the school that Father John runs with his wife. And there was an implication that it was, in some ways, a sex school, where the children are, in some way, prepared for their indoctrination into the family. And it's hard to imagine that preparation for joining a sex cult doesn't involve some kind of serious child sexual abuse. I think we've always suspected that there was some child sexual abuse going on within this family, but to imagine it in an organised institution like a school, perhaps even as part of a curriculum, is, I think, a very troubling thought. And I think there's something really dark about that. Not only are these children being molested at home, there's no escape from it, even when they go out for the day and attend school. They're also being molested and forced to participate in sexual activities at school. So there's really no hope for these kids, and that's quite a scary thought. And it begs the question, how much choice do any of the members of this family have in whether or not they decide to participate in this sex cult, when from basically the earliest time in childhood, they are being indoctrinated into it. And so it's really all they know. And I can imagine that part of having a dedicated school for this is also about keeping the authorities out. I guess it would be quite a risk for the family if the children who are exposed to quite extreme sexual behaviour, it'd be quite a risk for them to attend a normal school where teachers and other parents might start asking questions. And I think it's just an example of how within this story there is just this world of quite dark themes just in the background, just hiding in the subtext, and things are far more horrific than they may initially seem, even though they do seem actually pretty horrific, even on the surface. Let's have a little look at the comment. Uh, just one comment, and it's from Wright Bank, who is the person that we've had following along with us in the comments section throughout this story, Wrightbank says, Surprised? Only that they hadn't been inducted earlier. It would be interesting to see the family group sheet. For what it's worth, the practice of repeating and saying the same thing again and again is becoming tedious. Okay, so a little bit of constructive criticism there from Wrightbank, And I think it's a criticism that I can agree with. I do find that, especially in the beginning of each chapter, when we're going over stuff that happened in the previous chapter i do find that a little bit tedious although i appreciate that we we do get things from a slightly different angle when we hear both dan and lisa's account of what's happened there is a lot of repetition and perhaps it would be nice to see dan and lisa have a more significant departure from one another in terms of their account of events. Or perhaps if they've experienced the same thing and they've experienced it together, maybe there's no need to have the other character give their account of something that we've already had from their partner. I think that was especially apparent in the first chapters It's something perhaps that the author has been working on, because I felt like there was less repetition in this one, and we got some benefit from having the two different accounts of things from two different points of view, in that they had picked up on various different things, and Lisa had experienced some things which Dan had sort of missed. (laughs) I guess he's a little bit of a daydreamer, it seems. He seems to drift off and forget details, and while he's fantasising about whatever he's fantasising about. Lisa has a sort of bonus interaction with, in this case, Father John uh, which miraculously goes unnoticed by Dan. So I can agree a little bit with the criticism there, levelled by Right Bank. Although I do depart from them in wanting to see the family group sheet. I think it's already been established that that would be as confusing as a pile of uncooked spaghetti on a kitchen floor and frankly, I think that that visual imagery is far more powerful than any accurate family group sheet could ever hope to be. If you've enjoyed this chapter of the story, then I will encourage you to go onto Literotica for yourself and like the story on that platform. Maybe you could also leave a comment, some feedback for the author, and if you want to, you can read some of their back catalogue, if that's your thing. And the way to do that is to head to literotica.com and search for the author A.A. Dirty Old Man in PHX-1. It's all one word, and if you type that into a search bar, you should find all 59 stories, most of which are incest slash taboo in their genre. So if you're enjoying this story and really your fetish is uh, incest stuff, then you've hit upon a gold mine in A.A. Dirty Old Man in PHX-1's back catalogue. So check that out if that's something you're into. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please like and rate it and maybe leave a review or a comment if you've got time to do that. I want to say thanks for listening and I'll wish you a very enjoyable week until we come back for part five of A Country Cottage next week. Goodbye! The Country Cottage The Country Cottage yeah. It didn't take long at all for my orgasm to build in my balls With my tongue <laughs> Is that where orgasms build? In the balls? I guess so, I mean...